Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. What's up, everybody? This is Stick to Football Bleacher Report's NFL Draft Podcast. I'm Matt Miller, lead draft writer at BR, and joining me every Wednesday, also from BR, our new host who dominated the draft coverage, Connor J. Rogers. Who's that? <laughs> it was a ton of fun, dude. I, I miss you already here in New York City, but after a very long week, I'm sure you're happy to be back in Missouri. Uh, yeah, I am. It's also like 80 degrees here and it's beautiful out. And I, it's like working is the last thing I want to do after that hellish yeah. six week run up to the draft. But we've complained a lot about how tired we are. And I'm sure you guys can hear that. Like my voice is not great after last week, but I, I do want to, before we jump to the grades, we're going to grade every AFC team's draft. We have David Johnson on this week. We're going to do draft on draft before we get to that. I know a lot of people are wondering, what are we going to do all summer? Because a lot <laughs> of football podcasts kind of disappear after the draft. We are not going to disappear. We will continue to do two episodes per week all summer. If Connor's on vacation, it'll be me and Mello. If I'm on vacation, it'll be Connor and Mello. If Mello's on vacation, it'll be me and Connor. So we will be yep. giving you guys all that you want, two episodes a week, all summer long. Yeah, it's going to be fun. We don't stop. This is the draft podcast. And I did notice... A lot of the guys said, which is great for them that, you know, they take a long break that, you know, they really shut it down for a little bit here, but we're just going to power right through and, and we'll make it do, uh, we'll make it work with vacations, but we always got stuff to do. I, I was already last night talking to a, a really a first round prospect for next year that so already lining up big time guests for this summer on the show. That'll be the headliners of, of next year's class. So it we'll have, never you know, stops. <laughs> It never stops. We'll have top round talent for 2019 on this summer. Already working on that. We'll have fun guests on again. Like last year, we had Jake Johnson, um, Jason Kander. You know, hopefully we get some of the same faces back on the show along with some new ones. Yeah, it is going to be fun. And and we will, over the summer, dip into some, some guests that aren't football players. They're not coaches. They're not GMs. But maybe people who, you know, you know from other industries that are football fans. And so we can you know, talk to them about why are you a fan? How is football the thing that you know, gets you away from your day job and, and kind of lets you decompress? So let's jump into it, dude. Let's grade the AFC drafts. Yes. I purposefully did not put my grades in the dock because I, I, I like our show best when you, we don't know what we're going to say to each other. So yep. let's have some fun. Let's start with the AFC East, the New England Patriots. Take it away. Listen, I, I liked the Patriots draft and I usually do not. So I came away. Listen, the one thing that did concern me, we've heard some rumblings that there are a little bit of concerns around Sony Michelle's medicals, which we weren't really, you know, too aware of before the draft. But I gave the Patriots a B plus. I love Isaiah Wynn. 
I'm a big Sony Michelle fan. I'm not a Duke Dawson fan, but I thought they did really well on day three. I, I think Braxton Berrios is going to be, you know, just a classic New England slot receiver. I, I really liked him as a punt returner and a slot before the draft. I really like Ryan Izzo. They got in the seventh round, one of the last picks of the draft. He's a great blocking tight end. So, listen, I didn't like Duke Dawson and Danny Etling, but as a whole, this is a really, really good class for New England with a lot of instant impact. So, I liked the early part of this draft. I like Isaiah Wynn, and I like Sonny Michelle, even with some of the injury concerns, because I feel like they're long-term concerns, not short-term. What I hate about New England is they do this shit where they just get trade-happy. And I said this in one of our videos yes. in the BR app. Eventually, you guys got to draft some players who can help you right now. And I look at the deficiencies on defense like they need linebacker help. And sure, they drafted a guy in the fifth round and a guy in the sixth round. Most fifth and sixth round picks don't contribute. I mean, just the law of averages say those guys are not going to be difference makers. They're not going to be starters. So that's where I come in with. I'm going to give them a C because I'm worried that at some point, you need to use the draft capital that you have and just draft some difference makers instead of on day day two, late day two, and, and throughout day three, they just kind of kick the can down the road. And far be it for me to pretend to be smarter than Bill Belichick, but I really don't know what the long-term plan is for this franchise. So what'd you give him, Matt? I give him a C. A C. Okay, so B-plus from me, a C from Matt, for two totally different reasons. I feel like we we have the same thoughts on the players. You just make... A really good point that, hey, long-term, I have some questions. So moving on to a team that did hope to solve a lot of their problems in the long-term, the Buffalo Bills. Listen, I, I like that they were proactive here, but it just wasn't my kind of guys. I gave the Bills a C this year. I, I'm not a Josh Allen fan. I, I think it's going to be very hard for him to succeed in Buffalo because I don't think the roster is very good right now. So I wouldn't really want to see him on the field right away. I think Tremaine Edmonds at 16 is really nice value. This was the pick I liked in this class. He's raw, but he could play in, uh, as the Mike backer in that system and be a really good player. Their day three picks just just didn't do it for me across the board. You know, Harrison Phillips was okay by value at the end of day two, but when I look at day three, I, there's none of these players that'll make any kind of impact long-term, so I gave the Bills a C. Yeah, so I completely agree with you on their day three picks, like, Teron Johnson doesn't do it for me. Siren Neal doesn't. Siren Neal. Yeah. Ray Ray McLeod. Like, not, I, I liked Wyatt Teller. I, I think maybe down the road he could be a starter, and they need that because of Richie Incognito retiring, not retiring. I'm going to give them a B plus, though, because they got three of my top 50 players with their first three picks. So I, you have to look at like where I like, like, I like Josh Allen. I don't know if Buffalo is where I would have picked for him to go necessarily, but I also really like Tremaine Edmonds, and I feel like that is a great defense for him to fit in. And Harrison Phillips is just, you know, plug and play can be the the replacement for Kyle Williams uh, at defensive tackle. So I liked that one a little bit more that way. So I'm going to let you start off with my New York. I was going to ask. <laughs> so I'm going to give the Jets a B. And, and I should start by saying that I love Sam Darnold. He was my top quarterback in this draft. He had a very, very high grade compared to previous quarterbacks that I've ranked. I love Sam Darnold, and I even like the trade to go get him, and especially to do it in March. It's it's ballsy, and it worked. I didn't really like anything else that they did. Like Nathan Shepard was a, a good player. I just don't I don't see the need when I look at that roster to draft two defensive tackles. And like Chris Herndon, pretty good player. I, I like Perry Nickerson, Nickerson, the the sixth round pick, quite a bit, especially in the nickel. But Trenton Cannon in the sixth round felt like a 
more bored. Let's just draft a guy kind of pick for me. Yeah. So I, I, I love Darnold and he's really all that will matter from this draft class for them. If, if we're grading it long-term, but I, I really felt like they, they need an edge rusher. Like eventually they're going to have to look at offensive tackles. And I know you can't fill every need in a draft class, but just looking at my board and things like that, it, they, they kind of swung and missed on some spots. So I'm usually more pessimistic about the Jets because I did grow up a Jets fan from a Jets fan family. I loved this draft, and I think the first two drafts in the McCagnan era were extremely lackluster. I thought they picked it up last year with the two safeties, and I think even Chad Hansen's going to contribute at some point. But this year really was the turning point for me. I gave them an A- minus because if Sam Darnold turns into a franchise quarterback, this draft is an A. And I I liked Nathan Shepard a lot. And I know he's older. That was the knock on him. I think if you factor in them trading a seventh uh, round pick that was 235th overall for Henry Anderson, a guy that's going to start on the defensive line, that really elevates this class. Perry Nickerson is a guy that can play behind Buster's screen and hopefully take over in the slot. That's just a bonus. And I really liked Chris Herndon as a blocking tight end because they lost ASJ. So Listen, I, I think you're right. The Jets need to go into next offseason with all that cap and, and a first rounder and get an edge and get some more help on the offensive line. But I think they did a really, really nice job this year considering what they were working with. Yeah, no, that's a great point to, to add in the fact that they traded for Henry Anderson, who I think will be a starter for them. It's still three defensive tackles in this class. It's a little confusing, but uh, I yes, do like I it. agree with that. Yeah. It's weird. All right. How about the Miami Dolphins? Um, I see your grade on them. I'll jump in real quick. I liked that they traded back. I, I think it was smart to trade back and get some picks. And this is a team that kind of quietly had a pretty good draft class. Um, everyone knows how much we like Minka Fitzpatrick. He's a, a damn good player uh, who can be a difference maker in the secondary right away. Especially one thing I heard all along with Miami was they want to change the culture. They want to change the culture. Minka Fitzpatrick is a great way to do it. Round two, Mike Gusecki. Love him. Round three, Jerome Baker. I think that's great value for an athletic linebacker. And then to double dip in round four and get another tight end in Durham Smythe. I like Kalen Balaj in round four a lot better than I would have liked him in round two. So I actually gave Miami a B plus. So I I did like them maybe a little more than I realized as we were sitting there on the desk. Yeah, so I went kind of similar to you here. I went with a B minus. I was super high on Minka Fitzpatrick. Was not as high on Gusecki or Baker but then in the fourth round, Durham Smythe is a, is a really underrated tight end in this class. Kalen Balaj as the the 31st pick of the fourth round. I mean, he could end up being something for them down the road at running back. So I thought overall, the kicker pick was weird. And I know it's whatever, a kicker in the seventh round, but he <laughs> wasn't really weird, a good. Yeah. He wasn't a good college <laughs> kicker. So I didn't understand that at all, but I'm not going to crush a team for a kicker pick in the seventh round. The Dolphins come out with a B minus. I like it. Okay. The Cleveland Browns. I felt like this was a polarizing draft and very. So one thing that I, I, I'm so glad we have a podcast now because it it feels like every year after the draft, there are a lot of things I want to talk about and it's not like enough for an article or it wouldn't make for a a good soundbite, you know, in a, in a A Twitter recap. But I, I feel like we get carried away sometimes with value. Like Baker Mayfield was 12th on my board and they drafted him first. Denzel Ward was ninth and they drafted him fourth. And you're like, man, they, on value, they reached on a lot of these picks. But then you step back and you're like, okay, let's erase value because maybe I actually don't know anything or maybe I'm going to miss on half these players like most people do. And just look at the talent they accumulated. I mean, Baker Mayfield, Denzel Ward, Austin Corbett, Nick Chubb, Chad Thomas, Antonio Callaway. I liked Jannard Avery. 
I felt like the last two picks around six were kind of, you know, you're taking a flyer on athletes, but that's a that's a pretty impressive amount of talent. That's a very good draft. They were able to yep. accumulate. So I gave them an A minus. I actually came away liking this a lot. And it's funny because I remember sitting with you at dinner Sunday night when we were kind of recapping the draft. And I was like, man, I didn't like the Browns draft. But then like I started doing research for the show and it's like, shit, actually, I do like it. Let's not get carried away with value. Let's look at these guys that they they got. I mean, they they might have drafted six starters in this draft if, yep, if guys pan out. So that's a pretty damn good draft. When you put it that way, it's almost like I want to change my grade. I gave them a B plus, which is still really, really good. I think yeah, it is. I factored in that they had so many picks where it would have been hard for them to. They would have really had to like hit it out of the park to get in the A range because they were working with so much. But they still did well. Baker Mayfield was my my number two quarterback. Denzel Ward was my top corner. I liked Austin Corbett a lot. I mean, Nick Chubb, it, it, it sounds like he's really back to form again. And I thought they just did really well on day three. I think Jannard Avery is an underrated pick in the fifth round. Antonio Callaway is a gigantic roll of the dice, but he's so talented. So, and I was like you, I was a bigger Chad Thomas fan than most. So Cleveland did really well here. I mean, they are starting to turn over a roster where you look at them and you go, listen, and we have our doubts about this coaching staff, right? But on paper, this is a team that should start winning six to seven games pretty soon unless the coaching completely fails them and it could so yes it could <laughs> it, I mean it really could yeah I have no faith in Hugh Jackson at all but I like the talent and I'm a believer in that front office with John Dorsey and the the crew that he has and I, I think they're even going to do a good job of getting some some more scouts now that you know kind of Black Monday has happened for a lot of the scouting departments with guys getting fired so ooh, should we take a second and explain that because a lot of people have asked, like, why would you fire someone yes. two days after the draft? So that's just that's when most contracts are scheduled to actually run out. Most scouting contracts end May 1st. And you do that, especially like if you're a new GM, like John Dorsey comes in, he's a new GM. So he inherits the area scouts that Sashi Brown hired. And there might be some that you want to keep on. But for the most part, you're going to let those guys go and bring in your own people. So like in... Houston, where the, a new GM comes in, they fire their directors, they're wiping out that scouting staff and rebuilding it with their own guys. So that's why we see a lot of turnover. It's not like, oh, you had a shitty draft two days ago, you're fired. It's more like that's the way that the the year is structured for scouts. So now guys have the summer if they are let go or their contract's up, they have the summer to get on somewhere else before the season starts back in September. Yeah, kind of a, a crappy time of year sometimes for a lot of families and and sometimes a really good time as promotions come in. So, all right, the Pittsburgh Steelers, uh, going to be transparent here. One of my least favorite drafts. (laughs) They draft so well. I thought Terrell Edmonds was a late third round player. They took him in the first round. James Washington is one of the more overrated players in this class. They took him in the second round. Now, Every receiver the Steelers draft ends up being great, so I might eat my words on that. I'm not a Mason Rudolph fan. I'm not really a big fan of Okorafor. And, I mean, Marcus. I like Jalen Samuels and Marcus Allen, ironically. Their fifth-round picks I thought were pretty good, but it's a D+. Plus. I just uh, They just completely missed on any kind of value here. I don't know what their plan is for Terrell Edmonds. I don't know. I just I thought they could have done so much better for where they were sitting in, and I mean, John Ledyard, our buddy at NDT Scouting, he's he grew up a Steelers fan, has covered the team and watches as much players as us, and he, he felt the same way. He's like, I just I don't know the plan with this draft class. 
Yeah, I actually just changed my grade because you're right. I I give it a C plus, and I did not like Terrell Edmonds' pick. I thought that, like you, he was a late day three or late third round pick. So I was shocked when he came off the board. Good athlete, good athlete, but he that, didn't play in 2017. Okay. So that's a concern, right? Um, I like James Washington, and like you said, it's a Steelers wide receiver pick, so he'll probably be good. And I'm I'm a little different. I actually like Mason Rudolph. So I, I want to see what he can become, and I, I think that's a good spot for him to kind of sit and learn. Okra for the offensive tackle from Western Michigan, I'm with you. I don't know if this dude's ever going to pan out. So that's one of the big things for me. And again, what's the plan? Because you drafted Marcus Allen and Trell Edmonds, and they're the same player. Edmonds is just a little faster. Um, yeah, so, and, and it feels like they... Like, who's going to play inside linebacker? I mean, uh, LJ Fort, Tyler Matakavich. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, so that's not good, by the way. And again, you can't fill every need in a draft. We understand that. But, ugh, man, I don't know what they're doing here. And let's be transparent with something here. What happened to Ryan Shazier is awful and tragic for so many reasons. And the Steelers don't deserve any knocks for that setting them back. I mean, uh, for what happened to Shazier, for him, it's sad and and terrible. And it's, you know, I hope, I can't wait to see him really overcome and recover. But to put it quite simply, it was such a big, big hit for the Steelers' long-term future because he was a game-changing yeah. player at times. And he was really starting to come into it as well. Yep. So, so all right. Uh, moving on to the Cincinnati Bengals. I liked this draft. I gave it a B minus. I like Billy Price. I love Sam Hubbard, especially in round three. Good Lord. What a pick. I, I don't like Malik Jefferson to be, to be fair. He's a good athlete. I, I don't really know if he'll ever pan out as a full-time starting linebacker. Mark Walton in round four, great pass catching running back. And listen, they had a lot of picks on Day three, I mean, Andrew Brown might be be something for them in the trenches. And, you know, Darius Phillips is, is a pretty tough defensive back. And Logan Woodside, I know he doesn't really have an NFL arm, but he's super accurate and and really might thrive as a third string kind of guy that you could try to develop. So I thought overall Cincinnati did pretty solid here. Yeah, so I actually really liked their draft. I, actually, I had a typo in the dock and the, had the, the team below. I accidentally had their grade in this spot. I gave them an A-. minus. I love Billy Price, and I've been told a couple times this weekend that I was a little higher on him than the NFL, but he got drafted 21, and I had him I had him ranked at like 26, so apparently the Bengals agreed. I like Jesse Bates. I like Sam Hubbard. I like Malik Jefferson. I like Mark Walton. And on the Malik Jefferson note, why does the most athletic linebacker in the, in the draft fall to pick 78? I mean, there are questions about instincts. There are questions about toughness. I think the best thing that could have happened to him is 77 people being picked ahead of him. So I hope yes. that we'll put a chip on his shoulder, and it will toughen him up a little bit, where he says, you know what? Fuck this. I'm going to prove everybody wrong, because he is a kid that hasn't had to prove himself a lot. You know, coming out of high school, he was anointed the next Jalen Smith. He was anointed the future of Texas football and struggled there and was maybe a little coddled there by the, the first coaching staff. And then a new coaching staff comes in, and you're not their guy, so they're hard on you, and it, it, it doesn't always work. So I hope that this is a, a situation that will toughen him up a little bit. If it does, I, I think he can be a, a really good player. So, And you're right. They had a ton of picks. So I liked that late they took flyers on guys like Logan Woodside and Auden Tate. Speaking of a ton of picks, Baltimore Ravens, 12 picks in this draft. It's tough to grade this one. So I gave it a B. And ironically enough, there was some picks they had that I hated. 
but it still came out a B because Hayden Hurst was my top tight end. I think Lamar Jackson is going to do very well there developing under Joe Flacco and given some time. I do not like Orlando Brown. I do not like Mark Andrews, either of those guys at all. Anthony Everett, they bounce back in round four. I think he could be a really good corner for them. And then you look at guys like, you know, Jordan Lasley has talent. He just has some questions off the field in the fifth round. Yep. And then Deshaun Elliott, I mean, not a great safety, but good enough for the sixth round where he might play special teams and be your third kind of safety. So when you look at what the Ravens did, considering they answered a lot of questions and, and they didn't hit every pick out of the park, not at all. But I thought overall they got some big ones. So, yeah, I'm with you. I gave him a C plus, and uh, it was weird that like I wasn't a huge Hayden Hurst fan, but I'm glad they traded back to get him. Like, Don't take him at 18 or, or 17. Take him at 25. That's, that's smart. I'm cool with that. I don't know if Lamar Jackson will ever be able to develop, but I think this was one of the best possible spots for him, right, of just being able to go to somewhere where he's not going to be able to you know, get pushed to play early, barring injury. So uh, we'll see. Um, I, he was my fifth quarterback. I thought he was going to get drafted in the first round. He get picked at 32. Hate Orlando Brown. I think Mark Andrews is soft, but I loved Anthony Averett. I like the athleticism of McKinney Young. And I, I totally agree with you, Connor. The picks that they made late were all, there's some risk with them, but I, they're good developmental type picks where if you can iron out Jordan Lasley, he can be a really good slot. And Greg Sinat coming out of Wagner dominated at the yes. Shrine game. Like there's some potential there. The Zach Sealer kid from Ferris State, the one of two players I didn't know in this draft, I've had a chance now to get caught up on him. And it's like, man, like, yeah, this kid actually is a, a you're six six two ninety. He's an ideal five tech. Like he can he can be a player. And uh, talk to some people that like we couldn't believe he was there in the seventh round. So they were trying to lock him up as a UDFA. So I do think in the moment, like you look at the Ravens draft and you're like, God, I, I really didn't like it. And I'm not a huge fan of it. A C plus isn't great, but I, I do think that if they hit on these picks, they have a foundation for the future. All right, time to grade one of my favorite drafts. If not, actually, this was my highest grade right here. This was the only team that got a solid A. The Jets, I previously said, got an A minus. There was some B pluses in there. There's a there's another A minus still on the board to come, but the Denver Broncos get an A from me. I kill John Elway all the time. He crushed this one, which tells me he might be getting some help. Bradley Chubb at five, home run, slam dunk. Cortland Sutton in the second round. To me, next Alshon Jeffrey, slam dunk. I like Royce Freeman in the third round. I think he could be solid. Uh, Ike Gideon, I mean, another third round, tough, scrappy defensive back. I'm not that high on Josie Jewell, but I'm not going to complain about it in round four. Deshaun Hamilton, I think, can be a... I think he has the ceiling of a number two in the fourth round. And I'm not high on Troy Fumagalli. You know, I didn't know a ton about Sam Jones before the draft. But when you talk about, the, you know, just taking developmental depth linemen in the sixth round, I'm fine with it. And Keyshawn Bieria at that point of the draft, a versatile linebacker. The Broncos crushed this draft. I think they got a starter, a high-end starter in Bradley Chubb. I think they got a high-end starter in Cortland Sutton. I think they got a good rotational back in Freeman. And I think Deshaun Hamilton and and Ike can can probably fill starter roles down the road. That's a slam dunk. So when we decided we were going to do AFC grades first, I wrote mine down on a piece of paper and thought, I'm going to be way higher on Denver than Connor. Nope, we're the same. <laughs> we both gave them an A. Dude, I completely agree. Like, looking at the draft, it's it. like, and I, 
the day before the draft was making fun of John Elway on Facebook Live and in the BR app about, dude can't draft, he's going to mess this one up anyway. And I don't know if it was Gary Kubiak's influence, or I don't know if John had an epiphany about scouting, but they had a really, really good draft because I, I do think there's some starters here. And it, guys who maybe are a year away, they drafted at positions of future need, which is so, so smart. Bradley Chubb and Von Miller, holy fuck, they're going to be great together. I'm it's with insane. you, Cortland Sutton. It's insane. And Demarius Thomas is getting older. Emmanuel Sanders is getting older. So you draft their replacements in Cortland Sutton and Deshaun Hamilton. I'm with you. Royce Freeman around three. He might start at running back for them. So file that note away when it's fantasy football time. And I'm a Josie Jewell guy. I really am. I know he's not a great athlete, but man, you you can't time instincts on a stopwatch at the combine. And his instincts are so good that I would not be surprised if in a year he is a starting middle linebacker for them. So I, I really liked their draft and did not expect to at all. No, uh, these they made all like I felt like my guys kind of selections. And also, I like staying at five and taking Bradley Chubb. Same. Screw the trade. Get your guy. You know, the Colts are behind you and they're going to take him. Get your guy. Great pick, Denver. I mean, man, they got Shaq Barrett and Shane Ray behind those guys. I don't like Shane Ray, but still, when he's your fourth pass rusher, looks Denver, good. that's going to it looks really good. And now it's funny. We go from the best grade I gave Broncos a to the worst grade. I gave Oakland Raiders D and you barely got the D you had an F, but you took my guy, Nick Nelson, who I really, really like. And I'll tell you, Matt, why I give this a D besides the fact that I thought Colton Miller was a fringe third rounder. But like you said, you made the argument. It makes sense. He can be a starting tackle down the road. Teams. I talked to PJ Hall was a fifth round player. Same. Okay. Brandon trading up for Brandon Parker in the third round, a fifth or sixth round player. I don't get it. Arden key has a whirlwind of issues. Like I said, Nick Nelson's hurt, but I love the player Maurice Hurst. I love Maurice Hurst. It sounds like, I mean, yeah, it sounds bad. I don't know how far, how far can we even get into that? I'll let you talk about Maurice Hurst because you kind of told me everything that I need to know, but it's just, I don't know if there's a long-term career there, which really stinks. It absolutely stinks. Azeem Victor in the sixth round, he's had one of the worst years out of any prospect in this class when you combine off the field and on the field. So, I don't know. I don't know what Oakland was doing, but I do know this. This is not a Reggie McKenzie draft. No way was Reggie McKenzie the guy making all of these picks because it wouldn't have looked like this. So, I'm going to get my grade first, and then I'll run through what I've heard. And I want to apologize to my brother, Mike, and I want to apologize to my buddy, Sam, because they're Raiders fans. I gave them an F. And here's why. I don't mind Colton Miller at 15, but I, and I'm i glad they traded back. I, th- I think Mike McGlinchey got picked and they panicked a little bit. So at least they traded back. And future left tackle is a need, especially like it came out over the weekend. Donald Penn has been investigated for assault. Okay, that one makes a little sense. They reached on P.J. Hall. They traded up and made a massive reach with Brandon Parker, who is, by the way, the same guy as Colt Miller, just not good at football. I mean, I I don't think you can play Brandon at right tackle, so I don't know what the hell they're trying to do there. Arden Key. Makes no sense. I want Arden Key to work. I don't think he will. And I definitely don't think he will in Oakland where there's no structure set up for him to succeed. And it's just, it's it's a risk. The biggest risk of the entire draft and it may be just maybe I don't even think we should call it a risk. I think we should call it irresponsible is Maurice Hurst because yes, the things that I've heard from now 
multiple teams because you know you were sitting beside me at the desk when we were doing the live show yep. in the BR stream. And everyone wants to know, why is he falling? Why is he falling? Well, we had heard he had a heart condition that they found at the combine, and they wouldn't let him work out there. But he gets cleared for the Michigan Pro Day. So everyone's like, cool, he must be okay. Well, I, I've talked to, I bet, I bet six high-level people text me back while we were doing the draft. Some of them going as far to say that Maurice Hurst should never be allowed to play football in the NFL and that there is no way in hell a team doctor will uh, ever clear him to play. But some way, somehow, the Raiders felt okay with this. So I I don't know that because of like HIPAA and stuff, I don't think we can actually say what I've been told his condition is. Yeah, um, we'll keep we'll stay away from that. It's bad though. It's bad enough that I was angry when I heard that he was drafted because it's like this is it's irresponsible. He should not play football ever again if these were and, and it's you know six or seven different teams are telling you the same thing. It's not collusion. And it was after the draft or after he'd been picked on, on day three. So it's scary. And I, I I hope and pray that if it's accurate, he never puts a football helmet on again. Well, it was also something where the people telling you these things about Maurice Hurst were like probably the top six people you trust. Yes, I agree so. like that. People that are never wrong about medical. And yeah. I, it's just upsetting. And I know Raiders fans listening to this hate us right now. And we're not out to get you. I've loved what the Raiders have done over the years. I've rooted for the return of the Raiders. Same. I just, I call it like I see it. When players on my board that are nowhere even in like the 50 prospect range of the picks, what can I say? What can I say? And if Maurice Hurst is healthy, then you made up for it in the fifth round. But everyone we've talked to it says he should not be cleared. It's literally scary. So... I don't know. I'm, I'm, it's just, it's a hard situation, but it's not off to a good start. That's all I could say with the draft here. Right. And was it, I believe you told me that you saw someone tweet that like seven of their nine picks had character or injury concerns. I, somebody tweeted, and I apologize that I can't give you credit because there was so much going on at the time. They said there were eight of the nine Raiders selections yeah. had either character or medical concerns. Not great, man. You just, that's how you, you whiff. And if we're wrong about this one, you can kill us. You can kill us, and I will be the first to say I was wrong. But I don't think we'll be revisiting this one. I no, don't. I don't either. So a D for me, an F for you. And like I said, the D was because I think Nick Nelson's going to be a player. Yeah. All right, Kansas City Chiefs. Now let's praise uh, the Chiefs a little and more, really piss off Raiders fans. <laughs> yeah, a little more positive for me, B minus, because I love Jesse Bates and Derek Nottie. I, I don't really get, I think Breland Speaks was a little bit of a reach there, but I, not going to kill the pick, but I love Bates. I think he's one of the true single high safeties in this class. Nottie's a great run defender. Didn't get the Dorian O'Daniel pick in the third round. Armani Watts was nice value in the fourth. So uh, listen, not bad. Just okay. B minus. Chiefs did pretty well considering they didn't have a lot to work with. Yeah, so I actually killed them. I gave them a C minus and the, the redemption came with Armani Watts. And Tremont Smith. So I liked their fourth and sixth round picks. And you're right. They did not have a lot to work with. I don't get Breland Speaks. Derek Nottie is in need for them. Um, I'll give him credit for that. I don't know where Dorian O'Daniel fits in unless we're going to see a scheme change from them, which I guess could happen. But they have the same defensive coordinators that in the past. And then in the sixth round, you take Khalil McKenzie, who you're going to try to flip to guard, even though they played defensive tackle at Tennessee. So it just felt a little cute for me, you know, and. I know they're trying to like get cap healthy and they got a really young roster, but 
man, this kind of felt like a punt, in my opinion. All right, uh, moving on to another division rival in the Los Angeles Chargers. I definitely liked this one. I, I gave it a solid B because when you get Derwin James at 17, that's kind of where your grade starts, and then it works from there. So, you know, and Wosu's a versatile player in the second round. I, I like it, don't love it, but I do like it. Uh, Justin Jones is solid in the third round in the interior because you're white in the fourth round is just a smash mouth player that – you said it's going to play probably more linebacker than yes. strong safety, but I, I love because you're white in the fourth. Kissenberry's okay. You know, Dylan Cantrell and Justin Jackson are probably, in my opinion, kind of throwaway picks, but in the sixth and seventh round, I'm not going to kill you for that. The Chargers did well here. Solid B. Yeah, I give it a B as well. I, I loved that they sat tight and got their guy in Derwin James. I can't believe he was there 17. I liked Nuosu. Be interested to see how they deploy him. I think Justin Jones can can be a very good asset at the nose tackle position and they had one of the worst run defenses in the NFL last year so taking your top four picks and saying we're going to address the run we're going to get guys who can play in the box and shut things down I liked that uh, and then you know the last three picks were just kind of you know, flyers but uh, Scott Quisenberry is an interesting guy is maybe a fifth round pick who could become a starter at center in a year or two I know it's easier for him like playing center, but I liked Kissenberry a little better than Colton Miller overall. I know right. that people are like, what? No, no, but I just thought he was wrong. more. I thought he was more reliable. I see the upside in Miller as a tackle, but I'm just saying play after play, you know, I mean, and that's Josh Rosen's best friend. All right, we're going to start working our way up here. Jacksonville Jaguars B plus Taven Bryan, 29 for you're going to probably have some changes in that D line after this year because of cap. So Get it solved now. DJ Chark in the end of the second round, beautiful vertical threat. Ronnie Harrison in the end of the third round. Are you kidding me? That's like superb value for this team. You know, Will Richardson and Tanner Lee, not really doing much for me, but I'm not going to kill you for it. Leon Jacobs, Logan Cook, you know, solid linebacker in the back end of the roster and a punter. All right. They, they killed their first three picks. They killed them. B+. plus. Yeah, uh, I loved their first four picks, actually. So I gave them an A-. minus. I, I, I love what you said about Taven Bryan as a future pick. I think they've done a good job of looking at, okay, where are we going to be weak in two years? Where, where are we going to lose free agents? So to get Taven Bryan, to draft Ronnie Harrison at 93 overall, I thought was a dynamite steal. And you, you start to look at, okay, at some point, we're going to have to get cheaper somewhere because we have all these really good players right now. And I think somewhere that you can is, Okay, Ronnie Harrison versus Barry Church. Barry Church is a good player, but in a year, how different are they? Especially in that scheme. So you can totally. def, you can get cheaper. What well, I don't Barry Church is probably making five, six million a year. Ronnie Harrison is gonna be making like one million a year. So it's just you can start to get the, you know, the, what's the replacement value of a guy like that where if the the difference in talent isn't that great, especially in that scheme, that's really smart drafting. Will Richardson, I, I do think has some upside to be a starter at right tackle. Not a Tanner Lee fan at all, but I like Leon Jacobs, the edge they got out of Wisconsin in the seventh. Just a, a, an athlete that I'm, I'm really excited to see how they deploy him. All right, like I said, we're only working our way up here. Tennessee Titans, you get an A-. And listen, you only had four picks. The first two were slam dunks. Rashawn Evans in the first, Harold Landry in the second. Home run picks. Home runs. I love both of those guys. I'm not really that high on Dane Crookshank, but... Like I said, I mean, in the fifth round, I think I actually liked him a lot as special teams potential. I just don't really see him getting on the field a lot wherever he's going to play in the NFL. Safety, corners, big nickel. Luke Falk in the sixth. It's a perfect backup for Mariota if he could stay healthy. The Titans did a great job with what they had to work with. 
and they m- maneuvered around this draft really well. So I gave the Titans an A+. Plus, <laughs> which, uh, yeah. I loved, I mean, Harold Landry was ranked higher than Rashawn Evans on my board, and they got both of them. And we understand Landry fell a little bit because of medical, but I, I think he's going to be fine, especially as a one-contract guy, and they needed pass rusher so badly. So I like those two picks a lot. I, Shank, I thought this draft had Mike Vrabel's influence on it, which without a was doubt. pretty awesome. Without a doubt. And you're right. Crookshank's probably just going to be a gunner on special teams. But if he can be a third safety, fine, it'll be good. cool. I have heard from so many people, dude, and I know you don't agree with this, that Luke Falk might be the steal of the draft. Yeah. And he's he's brilliant, apparently. I I would never want to make this comparison myself, but do you know how many times people have said, Yep, that was the Tom Brady pick. 199. Don't be surprised. 199. <laughs> Don't be surprised. So it's like, like, man, you know, get the fuck out of here. And they're like, no, like this kid is a genius. He's smart. He's accurate. He's tough. And he might not have traits. I, I know one guy when was, it was it was in April. It was as I was filing reports. There was one guy who's a cross check scout. And so he, like he's an area scout. And then his cross check is quarterbacks. He had a higher grade on Luke Falk than he did on Josh Allen. So there was a wow. lot of like for Luke Falk in the NFL. Not bad. Tennessee. Nice job. Big improvement from last year. Yeah, really. All right. Te- Texans, you get the lowest grade in this division. You get a C. It- it's tough when you don't have a lot to work with. Mm-hmm. Their first pick was in the third round. One that I liked in Justin Reed. And, you know, Martinez Rankin, I thought, is solid. I- After that, it just did nothing for me. I mean, Jordan Aikens, one of the oldest players in this class, I, I- I don't know how he goes in the third round. Kiki Cootie, I mean, I just, I okay, he's small and explosive, but, I, and it might be a fit because Watson's so good. Duke Edgefor, you know, he's he's just a guy on the edge yeah, there. Thank and you for saying that. I, yes. I, I, yeah, it's he's just a guy. This is not really a good group, but I do think Justin Reed in the third round is really nice value. And, and I think Rankin can be, you know, kind of a versatile depth offensive lineman but that's it so for the Texans only get a C for me they need more help for Deshaun Watson man yeah I gave him a B minus like you said I try not to I almost maybe graded on the curve because they didn't have a first and second round pick for sure they had three picks in round three and I think round three is an area where you can get starters Justin Reed will start Martinez Rankin potentially Jordan Akins I don't get and I I do think they needed tight end help but my goodness I mean he's 26 years old and I didn't think he was that good of a player that to, good. to justify it. <laughs> so, yeah, and I'm with you. Like, I think Duke Edgefor is a dude. He's just a guy. He's stiff. Thought he was soft. Um, I liked uh, Peter Kalambai, the edge from Stanford, a lot better than him. So it was like I almost liked their late picks better than their mid-round picks, and that's never the kind of balance you want to see. Not at all. And, and speaking of a team that had a ton of early picks, the Indianapolis Colts, they had a lot to work with. I gave him just a B minus. Quentin Nelson is a is a slam dunk. I mean, Pro Bowl guard. He's going to be so good for them. I can't explain the Darius Leonard pick at thirty sixth overall. I thought he would go around one hundred overall, maybe later. I just don't get it. Braden Smith, I like it because now you've built an interior. Kamiko Kamoko Terry, if he's healthy, is great as a pass rush threat. And I thought Tyquan Lewis and Naheem Hines were the nice pickups, as you know. Once again, both rotational kind of guys, but. I, the Leonard pick is what killed me. This could have been an A minus if they went up there and took an impact player, and he's not that to me. So they get a B minus. So I gave him a B because I loved Quentin Nelson, 
And I, 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 Braden Smith was a reach on my board, but I liked the commitment to protecting Andrew Luck. Same. That's how I felt. So Darius Leonard, I had ranked at 79. So at 36, that's a, a pretty significant reach. Um, he's an athlete, and I hope that they saw something that maybe I just missed or discounted because of the level of competition. But I, I did like overall what they did. Uh, uh, getting Deion Kane in the sixth, that's a nice flyer. Zyra Franklin, uh, a dude I talked up a lot on the live show, is like a late-round linebacker who has really good speed. So, and And one thing... Another thing that I liked, I should say, is that they didn't trade out of six. That was what we heard all along is, oh, they'll trade out of six. They'll trade out of six. Or they're going to trade these second-round picks. And instead, Ballard was like, you know what? We need a lot of good players. Let's just let's run this draft. Let's just see what we do. So to have five picks in the first 64, you have to hope that those five players can contribute very early on. If they can't, then this grade will be completely different. You know, if we revisit this in a year or two, and look back and like, dang, you know, what do these guys actually do? And it's not much. Then that's when you start to get worried. You know what's interesting, though, Matt? Like, with Ballard, people just missed it, and he said it before. The day the Jets made the trade with them, he did media and said, I did not want to move out of the top 10 and lose the chance to get a premium player. Right. He kept using the word premium player, and everyone was like, well, the Colts can keep moving back. The Colts can keep moving back. That was never the case, and it was so evident. I don't know why everyone was like, well, they can keep moving back. It's like, no, this man came out and said, one of the best evaluators in all of football with the front office, with Ed Dodds and Rex Hogan as his co-DPs, they were not moving out and missing a blue-chip prospect. And they told you it in March, and they stuck to it. And I love it. Sometimes we need to believe the things that people say, right? And we're so conditioned to, like, not trust you know because it's like oh like they're uh smoke screening or they're just lying and it's like no actually he's just he's a straight shooter just telling you exactly what he thinks so yeah that's a very good point man well speaking of some some great value we've talked about in or later in the draft you got to talk to david johnson so we're gonna uh we're gonna turn to that because I'm, i'm looking forward to hear how he's doing and looking forward to seeing how he'll be on the field this year All right, guys, we promised you a great guest this week, and we have one David Johnson of the Arizona Cardinals joins us on behalf of his partner, Rockin' Protein, the great-tasting, high-quality protein David drinks and trusts. Tell us about this, man, because I've actually never heard of this one before. Oh, Rockin' Protein? Never heard of it. I'm stuck in the middle of the country. We don't get anything here. (laughs) Oh, you guys got to branch out, man. It's It's a great drink that I love to drink all the time, different parts of my exercises before, after, uh, on a regular day um during the day and the best thing i love about it is that it has no chalky taste to it you know most protein drinks has that chalky taste that's hard to drink and it's just hard to you know digest and then the best part also is that it's made from real milk so it's not the fake milk it's real milk that you can trust and uh i love drinking it yeah my co-host connor is a big workout guy so we'll we'll have to definitely have to let him know so he can uh so he can get on that same level as you but you mentioned, man, workouts. I think the question that everyone who listens to this podcast is going to want to know is how is just the rehab going coming back from the injury and where are you at right now? Rehab, it's uh, going good. I'm actually not in rehab. I'm basically maintaining now. Um, I got cleared a couple weeks ago, about a month ago, actually, and it's been going good. I'm able to do push-ups, uh, bench press, able to actually play and compete with the team. So I'm very excited to be back, and I can't wait for the season to actually start. Yeah, and it, how does that go? Like when you're you were primed for such a big year after the you know breakout year, and everyone's just 
talking about how you've revolutionized the running back position. Everybody wants the next David Johnson, and and then you get hurt. And it's it you know it's not like a lower body thing like you, normally you would see it's it's you know a wrist is that was it just like a freak thing for you where you're like I can't believe this is happening? Oh, exactly, really big freak thing, freak accident. Because when I first when it first happened, I thought it was just a sprained wrist. I thought I'd be able to just tape it back up, come back out after halftime. But they realized that I tore a ligament, and with the ligament, it's very tough. It's even harder than a bone because when a bone heals, it's back to normal. But when a leg in the heels, you gotta let it uh, first get tightened up, and then you gotta try to restretch it back to get the uh, range of motion and the strength back. And then it being a wrist, like you said, I was like, man, my body feels great, I feel great, I'm in shape, but literally, just a wrist is what's keeping me sidelined. It was a very tough season for me. Yeah, and I mean, as a running back, obviously, you need to be able to hold on to the ball. So that wrist is pretty important, but. Um, yeah. yeah, one thing that's happened since you know where you were you were out last year, and now there's been so much change with the team. I mean, Coach Arians is gone, Carson Palmer's gone, Tyron Matthews gone. Is that something where you look at that from the outside, kind of looking in because you were sidelined? And how hard is that adjustment to now you're going to be? I mean, you're a new quarterback, a new head coach. It, it's really a new look on offense. It was very hard because those guys, uh, Carson especially. And B.A. is the guy that, you know, helped me have the success in the league. And it was tough to not play for him uh, the whole, basically the whole season. And then those guys retiring, uh, it was very hard. And now, I mean, it's got a, we got a whole new coaching staff, a whole new scheme I have to learn. And, you know, uh, like you said, a whole new team, teammates, quarterback, uh, some new receivers, new linemen. And so it, it's um, something that, you know, I – uh, very fortunate that I'm still in the league and able to, you know, bounce back and um, learning from these guys, talking to the guys, getting to know these guys. I'm very excited. I uh, got a chance to talk to uh, Coach Wilkes and listen to, you know, his coaching style. And I'm very, very excited for this new season. Yeah. And it's, I guess that's the nature of the NFL, right? Is there's just so much turnover. You kind of just have to roll with it. Um, I wanted to talk to you about if you've had a chance to watch some of these young running backs coming into the NFL. You know, we're a, an NFL draft podcast, and you've got guys like Saquon Barkley, Darius Geis, Carryon Johnson at Auburn, some players who've kind of been compared to you because of their size and versatility. Have you, you know, in your downtime, do you get a chance to watch these guys? And have you seen any that, that remind you of yourself in any way? Oh, of course. I got a chance to um, watch these guys and see a lot of their highlights and, yeah, there are some great running backs coming out of college this year. Um, you know what? All those guys have tremendous talent. Um, a lot of those guys can do, I bet, especially in this new generation, a lot of the running backs can catch. And that's what they uh, try to work on a little bit more in college is being able to catch out of the backfield and catch, play receiver and stuff like that. Um, I feel like all these running backs have a chance to be able to do what I can, uh, whereas not just running back, but also receiver. Um, and a guy who actually I got to get pretty close with uh, is Rashad Penny, uh, just because his brother is my teammate. So I was able to go to a camp and talk to him and get pick his brain a little bit. And, uh, you know, I think he's going to have a, a good chance as well. Man, so. Yeah, really, really productive last year. So back when you were in college, I, I think the game that probably put you on the map was the Iowa game. Um, where you just went off against the Hawkeyes and, and then you, you had a great senior bowl and you still kind of got slept on. I mean, you know, being uh, where you were selected at 86 overall, I think if the, we could do a redraft, you would have been picked a lot earlier than that. But when was that moment for you that you were like, 
okay, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna play in the NFL. And, and you were incredibly productive all four years of college, so maybe it was earlier for you than a lot of us expected. But w- was there that moment of like, okay, I'm gonna be able to do this forever? You know, it was around that season um, when or that game, the Iowa game, to play Wisconsin, um, is where I realized you know, I have a good chance of making it to the NFL. And uh, those games, those big games, are the ones that I really try to uh, play as best as I can. Obviously, I try to play um, good in all the games, but those ones I'm, I have a little bit more motivation because those are the colleges that overlook me, uh, didn't give me scholarships. So I think that's where it started. And then when I got to the Senior Bowl and performed as well as I did, I knew for sure that I had a, um, a chance to go to the NFL. So, I mean, I doing some research before I talked to you today, I mean, you weren't very highly recruited coming out of high school. What was it that made you just overlooked? Because you you were a great football player, great track athlete, and for whatever reason just kind of slipped under the radar. Do you, is that something you you figured out, you know, all these years later of like, why didn't I get those looks from, you know, the Iowas or the Tennessees? And, and it, Northern Iowa worked out great for you, obviously, but what was it that yeah. kept you from being that guy? You know what? It was it was a that was a cloudy moment because no one really explained the reason uh, why I didn't get scholarships. Um, the only thing I could come up with was uh, I came from a school that wasn't a big powerhouse football team. Uh, we didn't really win too many games until my senior year, and then coming out as a, a senior, I was uh, I wasn't the biggest. I was probably about one eighty. A lot of teams, you know, they tried to say that they didn't know what position I would play uh, if I was going to be running back or receiver or DB, and so I think that was the biggest thing is the question mark on what position I was going to play exactly. Even going to UNI, I was, uh, they gave me a scholarship as an athlete, and I went there to play receiver. They moved me to DB, and I didn't even get moved to running back until uh, there were some injuries uh, with the running back group. Uh, it's an amazing story. To go, like We always hear of these guys. You, know, you get overlooked, and you're like a one- or two-star recruit, and then you're one of the best running backs in the NFL really, really early in your career. And that's like my last football-related question for you before we do some of our nonsensical stuff is you're a free agent after this year. And as a running back, that you probably got to be a little nervous about it. How much does that enter into your thought process? It actually hasn't entered my thought process. Um, I'm so focused on coming back off of uh, being out a whole season. Now having learned the playbook uh, and get familiar with the coaching staff and the new team. Uh, teammates that uh, have so much on my plate that I have to worry about. And, this, you know, I'm, I'm more focused on now and getting ready for this new season. All right. Great answer there. I can tell you've been asked that one before. So that's cool. Uh, all right. So the last five questions we're going to ask, we ask these to every guest. And I think you're actually the first pro player we've had a chance to talk to because we've been so draft focused the last few months. But question number one, what's your pregame meal? Pre-game meal is usually um, a side of rock and protein with spaghetti. Okay, so that's like that is the most popular answer in the world. I think we're gonna have to retire that one because everyone eats spaghetti. So <laughs> gotta load up on the carbs. Exactly. Uh, All right. If you could have one superpower, what would it be? One superpower would have to be uh, super shit. That's a good one. Very good for a running back because you just throw everybody off of you. Okay, what's the one game? None of your friends can beat you at whether it's like Madden or FIFA. If you're a video game guy or a pool, cornhole, horseshoes, anything like that. One video game I'm gonna say I'm the best at is Call of Duty. 
All right, that's a good one. Good one. Okay, number four. Um, if you were stranded on a deserted island and you can't pick your can't pick your wife, if you're stranded on a deserted island, who would you want there with you? Oh, that's a tough one. If I was stranded on a deserted island, can't pick my wife, huh? It would have to be. Uh, it would have to be my, one of my closest friends. Um, any of my closest friends, Drew's on Jared Pinnaker. All right. The last one for you. Um, well, you know what? The last one doesn't even apply because you're married. So it's normally we ask people what their online dating profile would say, but yours would, you better not have one of those. So <laughs> yeah, no, I'm married. <laughs> so, married. Yeah. Yours would just say taken. Sorry. So you're locked up. You're not a free agent uh, off the field. So, <laughs> yeah, right, man. Well, we appreciate your time. Um, you know, we're all looking forward to seeing you back on the field next year. Definitely uh, want to thank your guys at rock and protein for giving us, a little bit of time to talk to you today and and you know, we're all hoping for good things on the field man thank you thanks for having me all right everybody we have made it you have made it let's have some fun with some draft on draft questions <laughs> and I, I guess you have to read the first one because I, I have to read me. the first one uh at from at slyboy underscore 22 has NFL draft scout Mr. Matt Miller recovered from not knowing two of the players who got drafted this year I don't think I have, man. We were at it dinner Saturday night, off. and I was still fuming about it. it well, yeah, there's always like maybe one each year, and it just eats at you. It completely sinks you for the rest of the draft <laughs> every time. And it's so weird because I should know better, right? I should know it's going to happen every year, but I think I live in this magical world where it's like, hey, maybe this year. Like, this will be the so year for those, that I've— So for those who missed it, who were the players? It was uh, Zach Sealer, the kid from Ferris State, the defensive end. Yep. And it was the the kicker from Arizona State that Miami took. Justin Stevens, I think was his name. Oh, Jason Sanders. Jason right? Sanders. I was close. See, I don't even know. <laughs> that, I still don't know. <laughs> I mean, he had like a 71% field goal percentage right? or something. So everyone was like, wait a minute. what?" And, you know, maybe there's just really a lot of raw talent, but it was just funny. So, all right. I think Matt's okay. This one from uh, <laughs> me, Zach P. I believe this was from Instagram, a pretty hilarious question was the giants getting a bj in parentheses hill with the 69th overall pick the nicest pick ever <laughs> oh i think mike mcglinchy wearing number 69 for the niners might be the yes. nicest pick ever um that's a great great comment that is that is pretty awesome well done mr uh me zach p all right this, this one i don't have an answer for so i'm I making either. you answer it <laughs> At Zach Hernan, why did Seattle take Rashad Penny in the first round? I don't, we don't know. know. We don't know. Oh, man. And you, know and you and Mello uh, are going to have some interesting thoughts when you grade the NFC on that class. Yeah. Oh, yeah, we're going to do that. Uh, 6-1 well, Friday, we'll have NFC grades. Uh, man, I've asked everyone I know outside of Seattle, hey, what do you think of that? They're like, fuck, we don't know. I don't know, man. I guess he's fast. So, <laughs> not a great one. Okay, mm. here's one from Gershmitt. He wants to know what was the best rumor we heard over draft weekend that didn't come true. Um, I had heard a rumor. Well, Sims said it on the live show too. Sims, it really Chris Sims said it on our live show. He said that uh, the Jets were thinking about taking Rosen over Darnold, and, and like I, I can't imagine the backlash that would have came out if they did that. Um. I I, yeah. I Sims is amazing, and I have so much respect for him. I don't agree with that. Well, it did, the I Jets think did Darnold, either. I think Darnold was tops <laughs> on the Jets board. 
So yeah. Oh, okay. No, I do want to do a, like one that's a little more not so obvious. There's rumors going around right now everywhere that Baker Mayfield was like a number one quarterback on a lot more early boards. It like picks in the top ten than that people realize. I have not heard that's true. I have heard rumblings that Darnold was number one, and this is just teams picking early that would need a quarterback. The Giants, the Jets, the Broncos. Um, who am I missing here, Matt? Early, I mean, early the, picks. Yeah, uh, of those, the, that might be it of the early teams. The Bills, maybe? The Bills, I think, had it Darnold, then Allen. Yeah, so it wasn't Baker Mayfield. No, like, he was, this was not a, very, a consensus one. No, this was a very unique situation where cl- yes. he was Cleveland's guy. I think maybe Cleveland and New England had him QB1. Those are the only ones okay. I've heard. And teams after the draft will be pretty open with you about it. Um, maybe that's an interesting follow-up that I can try to, to figure out by Friday. All right. Uh, uh, this so is I great, guess I should share yeah, mine. The, yeah. Yep. Go ahead. <laughs> um, so mine was that the Patriots were going to draft a quarterback. Everyone kept saying it. They've worked these guys out. They wouldn't be spending the time with... Baker, Lamar Jackson, all the quarterbacks. They spent so much time with all of them to the point that a lot of us thought maybe they reach on a Mason Rudolph or Kyle Aletta. Instead, they don't draft one until like round six or seven, and it's Danny Etling. So (laughs) I think that was... UDFA grade. Right. That was the rumor that we all got sucked into because it also just made sense. Like You could connect those dots really easily, and, and of course it didn't happen. All right, final one on our little draft and draft section here from Phil Albanese. How do you all deal with the post-draft perpetual? Let's do this one one more time. Wow. <laughs> that's, how. That, that's how you do it. You can't even, I am, if you can't tell, I'm sorry, guys. I am like really on E, but I, we're still having fun with it. All right, one more time from Phil. How do you all deal with post-draft depression? <laughs> I don't know uh, if it's post-draft depression so much. Like, it's not like... It's like I miss it, <laughs> you know. It's. Um, I was gonna say it's. It, here's where it'll start to depress me. Like uh, this is so. This is gonna sound like really ridiculous. I really have enjoyed all the attention we got this month. Like the podcast numbers, the new listeners, going on other shows to talk about how unique our show is. People caring so much about what we do. I'll be a little depressed in June when everyone's like. All right, here's the psychopaths looking at 2019 players like in depth. That'll yeah. be a little depressing. Um, so the way I do is eventually, I think there's a rumor that I'm going to be able to go on some vacations. And I'm going to be able to unplug a Same. little bit and reconnect with my kids who uh, my currently son has not seen me in like nine days. And like, oh, I, I just want to get through today so I can go pick him up and. It's so that will be it for me. I will try to get back to being a normal human being and like a a normal functioning member of society. So that's that's the great thing for me is it it's just my time to like see my family and see my parents again and, you know, get out of town on long weekends and things like that. So fingers crossed that will that will actually happen. But so I don't get a post draft depression. I get it's like I get home from the draft and it's like okay, there's actually still a lot that we still have to do because we have to grade the draft and recap sure. it and, and and look ahead with mock drafts and big boards and things like that. So it's um, I'll be happy when it's like May 15th-ish and I'm kind of over this year's class and we've put it to bed and then we can recharge over the summer and then start back on 2019. Well, we've already started, but we yeah. can start talking about 2019 probably in 
July or August. Yeah, I think the better way to frame that one is like, wh- what do you do with all your newfound time or, or your empty space? Because the last month, and I know it's even crazier for you, I- I've been pretty much up by six. I'll answer calls and texts that I miss because I try to go to bed early and turn my phone off. Um, catch up on Twitter, the content I get out for the morning. I'm on the bus into the city by like 6.50 from Hoboken. Work out, get into the office, work from in the office from like 9.15 to like 5.30, go home and work through dinner up until about 9 o'clock, 9.30. So it's a life change when you're not doing that anymore because my whole day really revolved around work. And I know it's the same for you. And you're a little bit more of a later nights guy than me because it's easier to write than when less people are bothering you. And now to me, it's, yeah, I get to like read again. I get to travel again, you know, and just catch up on some life things. That's the thing, man. I have so many movies that I missed out on that I want to watch. And yeah, I can't wait to just read. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. I have a list of books and uh, I know we both have some vacations planned, but like I said, at the top of the show, this show will go on all summer long, two episodes a week. And we will, like, please indulge us because we have lived football for you guys, with you guys, for the last nine or ten months. And over this summer, we're going to have fun. We're going to try to experiment with new things on the show. We would love for you guys to get involved. If you have ideas of, like, hey, this would be funny or this would be interesting or these are some stories we would like to hear you tell, let us know. Tweet us. You can leave it in your iTunes review. Um, you can send it on Instagram. So we we want you guys to get involved. We want you to feel like, you know, you're our friends. This the show is for you. So definitely let us know if you have some ideas and we're, we'll do our best to have fun with you this summer. No doubt. It's going to be a ton of fun. Uh, it'll just get all kinds of wacky. You know, we'll preview every prospect group again, which I, I really should take the time and go listen to those shows and see which guys in those we groups. <laughs> yeah. How, how wrong, which guys ended up being top picks. And it'll be fun to have some of the 2019 guys on this summer that are excited to steal some of that spotlight. They've been waiting a while and they're ready to really be in the draft spotlight. So I can't wait. It's going to be a lot of fun. I'm excited to hear you and Mello grade the NFC on Friday because then I get to just sit back and listen to it on Saturday morning when I can relax. So uh, it's going to be it's going to be awesome. It will be. All right, man. That's our show for this week. Thank you all for hanging out with us. Thank you for all your support throughout the 2018 draft season. Hopefully you like what we are are able to offer you this summer. And we'll get back to, to draft talk real, real soon. 